Are you feeling disconnected? Have you lost trust in your own inner guidance? Are you looking for a deeper meaning in life or the meaning of life? Visit wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to facilitate your inner growth and help you to connect with your true nature. From a free podcast about consciousness and the afterlife to blog posts, from healing music to dream work and more, Wellness Continuing is the place to elevate your heart mind. Visit wellnesscontinuing.com. Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Hospitalized for ARDS, also known as lung failure, in 1999, Kathy McDaniel was placed on a ventilator and into a drug-induced coma. A disturbing near-death experience occurred and, although mostly traumatic, the indescribable bliss of heaven that she experienced shifted her religious beliefs to a deep spirituality. Kathy credits the International Association of Near-Death Studies members for sharing the tools to learn acceptance and an integration of her disturbing NDE, allowing the joy of her purpose to emerge. She continues to share her comforting message of God's mercy and unconditional love via podcasts, radio programs, and speaking engagements. Listen now to learn about this different type of near-death experience and how this too can transform the experiencer. Kathy, welcome to the show. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thank you, Tanya. I'm happy to be here. Lovely. Now, you're the author of the book, uh, Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expat, which is a very gripping title. And it (laughs) essentially explains your near-death experience story is what's known as, some people call it a hellish NDE. Um, You call it a dark near-death experience. There's different names for it. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is an aspect of near-death experience that perhaps not everybody has heard about or they hear very little about because it's not as well known or discussed, although you are bringing to light some of this information. What is a a dark or a hellish NDE in a nutshell? Okay. It's also called disturbing. Anything that is out of the ordinary where people just uh, when they die and they, they immediately they're in the light and they got angels and, and puppies and butterflies and all that stuff, good stuff. But there's about 20% or less of people actually uh, find it disturbing or, or distressing when they first become conscious. And um, because of that and because of what happens in those experiences, uh, people are reluctant to talk about them. I mean, uh, everybody wants to hear about the good stuff, but I know for myself, uh, when I tried to tell my family or my friends, they, you know, hey, I, you know, that's that's spooky, that's awful, and gosh, you know, you're a good Catholic girl. What were you? What what did you do to go to hell? You know, it was just not you know, a good atmosphere. So I just clammed up, and um, I did look for any books at all that had something to do with dark. NDEs is what they called it 20 years ago. And I found Howard Storm and Nancy Evans Bush. And so I just gobbled up these books and I thought, oh, thank God I'm not alone. And and for Nancy Evans Bush, she's written three books and she's a very intelligent lady. And she was very distressed that, you know, she, she had an experience that left her quite shaken. And um, 
I, I learned from her, and this is the bottom line, and I cling to it both both hands, is that her interpretation is that the dark experiences um, and going with the assumption that we all choose our lives and choose our, our purposes and all that when we come down, that I chose this experience to uh, go into kind of like one of the uh, Greek warriors that, you know, they'd go into the underworld and they'd save the princess or bring back a, a treasure and uh, they were heroes. And she says, it takes the brave people to do the distressing ones. So that gave me courage to be able to talk about it and to share it. And it's been very helpful for a number of people that have been on um, a program I have on IONS. It's for people who have the distressing experiences. And by dribs and drabs, they're coming in and saying, wow, you know, I've never told this to anybody, but here's four or five people in the group that won't judge me and understand. So there's been a lot of positive that has come out of my experience. That's good to hear. So let's start then with your story. Um, what, how long ago did it occur and, uh, and what happened? It's been 23 years, Tanya, and it still seems like yesterday. And that's one of the hallmarks of NDEs. If you have a dream or a hallucination or a reaction to drugs, you forget about it. But these NDEs are experienced in your soul and your spirit. So uh, not in your brain. So that's why I still remember. Um, I was in my early 50s and I had been uh, uh, called to uh, take care of a friend of mine, very dear friend, best friend, used to be a fiance, helped me raise my kids, really great guy. And he was 53 and he'd been uh, diagnosed with leukemia and they'd done everything they could think of, but they said they were going to have to send him to a special hospital where they do testing. It's, you know, um, they'll try something that nobody else has and hope, hope that it works, but he needed two caregivers and he had one and wondered if I would go. And I said, sure. You know I mean? You betcha. And they told us it'd be three to five months. It would be intense. Uh, probably wouldn't get a lot of sleep. There's a lot of ups and downs. He's better. He's worse, but it turned into like eight months. And then the other caregiver <laughs> broke her foot. So now I'm taking care of both of them. And I was a wreck. He finally died. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Plus I was exhausted. So uh, after going to a, a concert in Southern California, they, they had this horrible flu going around, uh, very similar to COVID in that it attacked your lungs. And uh, I got that and because I was so run down. And uh, by the time I got to a dock in the box, I, they couldn't find a pulse. And my friend, a fellow I'd been dating, got me into, well, they got me to that dock in the box. They called the ambulance. And I woke up in the hospital a couple of days later thinking, what happened? You know, uh, where am I? And there's my folks. They came up from California. I was in Seattle. And my daughter came out from Colorado. So I knew something serious was going on. I was in an oxygen tent and, and they said, you know, we just can't pull you out of this. Uh, it's going into ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome. And we're going to have to put you in a, in a coma, drug induced coma. We'll have to intubate you and we'll pray, you know, we'll, we'll throw everything we've got at you, but you're, you're failing. And so they said, we'll give you something called um, white amnesia. That was a, a name for a drug. That, and the doctor assured me, you will remember nothing 
in this. Your brain will be unable to remember anything. So just go to sleep and hopefully you'll wake up, you know? And I thought, well, gave him the thumbs up. What have I got it to lose? I mean, I had no choice. And then it went black. I don't know when it was, but all of a sudden I was awake and I'm in this completely dark place. No sound, no movement. I didn't know if I was standing or sitting and I, I didn't want to move because I didn't know where I was. So I thought, well, I'll just hang out. I thought maybe somebody played a joke and put me in a closet, you know, and say, oh, this will be funny when she wakes up. But all of a sudden it started getting like this reddish glow and foggy. And I thought, oh, sun's coming up. And then I thought, wait a minute, what's that sound? And there were people screaming and shrieking and it was getting hot and it smelled bad. And I thought, this is not good. But this voice came booming out and said, do you know where you are? And I thought, gosh, I, my mind was just going 100 miles an hour. And I thought, I hope I'm wrong. And I just said, hell. And then this voice just boomed back with a boo-ha-ha-ha kind of thing. Well, I turned and ran. And that was the beginning. It's all detailed in the book of, of hell. I, I The first place I saw was this bombed out city. It looked like New York. Buildings had toppled. Things were on fire. The sky was all reddish. Um, I was I was just plopped into this situation. And so I quick and uh, hid beside this great big, big chunk of concrete and tried. I thought I saw somebody and I called out and said, hey, why don't we get together? You know, I'm a Girl Scout and we'll find, you know, survive this. And he just came back with this. We are all alone here. How much worse can this get? Well, I found out. So there were creatures there. I tried to run. I couldn't escape. When they were closing in, boom, I found myself in another situation. So it was a series of vignettes for, for want of a uh, another word. And it seemed that every time I came up against a decision. I there were there were demons, and people say, "How do you know it was a demon?" Well, <laughs> I was like, "How do you know when you see a robin?" It just was. It was like a big, huge Bigfoot, but but mean. And and they told me to do things. You know, here's a here's a job for you, and it would be a disgusting job. Working in an abortion clinic was one. Um, uh, real things that I would say, "No, I'm not going to do it." And they'd say, well, you know, this is only going to get worse. And I would find myself in another place. In between, there was like this incredibly long road. And it was a, just a path, really. It wasn't very wide. And it was, it was dirt and rocks. And it was just, a, just that reddish glow over in the, in the distance, just enough to where I could see where I was going. And uh, at least on the road, I was exhausted. I was thirsty. Tanya, I never felt dead. I... I your consciousness is you. That's your personality, whether it's in a in a human body or out. It's still just you. And um, I'm trudging along, and and at least I I didn't know where it was going, but there was nothing hurting me or harming me or scaring me on the road. I just kept thinking, I've got to find a way out of here. I there's got to be. I don't know where I am or how I got here, but I have to get out, and I will. Well, it again, it, it got worse. I ran into this 
group of, <laughs> for want of a better word, zombies. And uh, they attacked me and left me in pretty bad shape. And people say, well, how, if you didn't have a body, how did you feel pain? Well, if you imagine when you were in high school, oh, maybe grade school, and some bully kid came up to you and started to punch you in the nose, and they used to call pull, pull a punch. It just stops like one half inch before you, your head, and you'll, you'll jump back and say, ow, and grab your nose, because that sensation that it's going to happen or, it, you know, it's the same thing. It's, it's, you, feel, you feel the experience just because you're in it. Maybe nobody, you don't have a body, yeah, but you sure still have your, your awareness. So um, toward the end of this seemingly endless experience, I did find myself in the worst experience. And um, I give, give away the book, but that's all right. I was there and I said to one of the demons there, I said, this seems like a particularly nasty day. Um, is there something I don't know about? And she mentioned that, uh, oh, well, it's Christmas on earth. That's always the worst day in hell. And that's when it hit me. <laughs> I thought, oh, oh, this can't be. And I thought Christmas. Okay. I was still being a brat. I was, uh, so I started singing a Christmas carol. And it was my favorite, which was a, Away in a Manger. And I started singing Away in a Manger, no crib for his bed and the demon whirled around she was at the other end of this little cabin we were all in and she yelled at me to shut up and raised her stick and soon some of the other ladies started singing along with me and when we got to the part that said the little lord she shrieked and jumped at me and i never got to say the word jesus but it was just coming up again people say why didn't you call for jesus earlier i thought about that a lot when i got back the thing is, my understanding is God does not go where God is not wanted, and he's definitely not wanted in hell. So I had no awareness. Again, I didn't know I was dead, and I I was running for my life, and I had no awareness to call on God, even though I'm a, I was a staunch Catholic, and that would have been something I would have done in the real world. But that's not how it worked out, and that was probably the way it was supposed to work. But anyway, when I said started to say that word, I was out and there was a little um it's just it's, you know people on that side there's no words to describe the bliss and the love and the joy that just totally explodes inside of you and uh were you a, a human being you could not contain that sort of joy and love and bliss it would just blow you up so um at that time i just had this sensation of uh, like every fiber of my being was swimming in love and uh, i was just so ecstatically happy i couldn't remember anything that had gone before um and i was just you just want to stay there you just want to enjoy that you just want to be just to be part of that, that love. And as I kind of was kind of glancing around the room, which wasn't really a room, it was a white light with maybe some sh shadowings that might indicated maybe a doorway here or whatever. But I did see a big table, like an architect's table, and there was a massive book on it. And it was open about halfway. And I thought, huh, I remember seeing something in that book, but I can't remember what it was. And I looked over and saw my friend, 
the one who had died of leukemia just a month before, and he had been 53, and now he looked about 35. He had his, instead of being bald with the chemo, he had his hair and it wasn't gray anymore. It was brown. He was wearing a sweater I gave him and he was just ecstatically happy to see me. Big smile. And he's just, oh, I'm telling you, I love that man. And uh, I was just, I was, it couldn't get any better. And so I, 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 I saw him smiling and he, he didn't talk, but I, so I thought to myself, oh my gosh, he doesn't know he's dead. And he started laughing and I thought, he just read my mind. And I thought, well, if he's dead, then that means I'm really dead. That's what dead is. I'm in heaven. And I was just, I was so happy. And I, you know, in my mind, I says, well, let's go. Let's show me something. You know, I was staying here and he kind of moved closer and he said, now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. And I thought, what? No, I'm not going back. Who would leave here? And I just said no. And I crossed my arms and uh, he just smiled. Poof. So I did have a little time out uh, going back to earth. I'm sure a lot of people experience a little walk along a stream or something to kind of uh, get you back into uh, accepting that. But I did wake up to another bright light in uh, the CCU with my family around me saying, oh, great, mom's back. And oh, yay, lots of our prayers brought you back. And I thought, thank God I've got this thing in my throat and I can't talk because I would give you people a piece of my mind. <laughs> you know, Why did you bring me back? That was just like the meanest thing you could ever do. And then this, this whole thing rattling around in my head, you've got too much left to do. And I was 86 pounds. I could move one finger and blink. That was it. You know, I was just skin and bone. And I heard the doctor say, we don't know how brain damaged she is. She probably won't drive a car. She probably can't have a job. She'll have to go live with someone. Ah, talk about depressed and angry. It was, it, it was terrible, terrible. So it took, um, a while to get me out of the CCU. And I had to go through all these shenanigans to get out of the hospital into a physical rehab facility for a month daily. I had to go through all of, I mean, the insurance company had all these strict standards. I had to do this and do that. And, and every, you know, PT, OT, uh, all everything, or else they wouldn't pay for it. So I was under the gun. And I had to learn how to crawl, how to talk, how to feed myself, uh, how to swallow, how to go upstairs. I had I had to relearn like a, an infant. It was very humiliating and very, I'm a person who I can take care of myself. Thank you very much. And to have all these people have to help me was really, really a learning experience, I'll tell you. So I, I finally got out and uh, the man that uh, I'd been dating, um, it was either go live with my parents at 53 uh, uh, or he says, I, I love you and I want to marry you. And uh, so I did. And it took 10 years for me to, uh, as I continued writing this experience out over and over and over and over again, thinking that if I could just get it out on paper and get it, put it in a drawer, it'll go away. 
but it didn't go away. And I still had this fear and uh, of, of dying and going back there again. It was just overwhelming, very overwhelming. But when I found a group called IONS, that's the International Association of Near-Death Studies, uh, I was led there uh, by the voice. The voice is very strong once you come back. It, it, before you go over there, it was my experience. It, it's like your conscience or intuition, but it gets really strong when you come back. And I was forced to go up to Seattle and go to these IONS meetings. But I was the only one there that that had a bad story and they every you know meeting somebody tell their angel story and i'd sit there and go i don't belong here you know i felt really bad and then finally one or two people started coming up and saying you know i you know i kind of had a little you know so i was not forced but encouraged to tell my story and that was the first time in 10 years i really told it and i was shocked at the at the response People were clapping at the end, you know, that I got out A and B that I had, I had a message to give everybody as to how to get out of hell. And um, it, it evolved over the next 10 years that I was at IONS. Uh, I became very involved and my message through later inspirations, uh, begging God to please just give me something short to remember and do that's positive every day because I don't want to go back there. Uh, I was told to be loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. So that's my mantra. The other thing I've learned over the uh, time of being with other people and learning that I picked my experience and um, to learn things and how brave I was to do so and come back and share is the realization that God is all loving and all forgiving and never condemns anybody, period, exclamation point. So where did my hell experience come from? Well, I was raised uh, a Catholic my whole life, uh, cradle Catholic. I was always taught that when we died, we went to purgatory. You know, very few people, maybe Mother Teresa goes straight shots to heaven, but most of us have to to burn off our sins or, 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 or pay for our sins. And I bought that and I expected to go to purgatory when I died and I wasn't disappointed. But I'm here to tell people, skip the trip. It's not necessary. It, it was a manifestation of my my own making um, because I expected it I, and I believed in it. Um, I'm just here to tell people just if, if one just concentrates on the loving forgiveness of God and knows that that's true, as all the NDEers will tell you, um, there's no fear for death anymore. There, there is no hell, um, unless you choose to go there. Um, it's just the bliss and the love and the forgiveness and the understanding that this life is just an experience we chose to learn things. And um, there is a life review. I wasn't there long enough to get one, but the life review I understand is just seeing every moment of your life, you know, and, and it's done without judgment. You usually, usually got a couple of angels or guys with you. And then they flip it around and then you get to be the recipient of interacting with yourself. So um, you would feel 
what those other people felt when they talked to you. They, you were their mother, you were their friend, you were the neighbor, you were, you know, a, a telephone solicitor, whatever. You get to feel how that was to be in your presence. And that's just the learning experience, you know, and maybe you say, well, I, I did pretty good here, but could have done a little better there. But there is no judgment. Now, a lot of people do believe in the reincarnation thing. And with all the reading and studying I've been doing, I ha always had a feeling that God recycled. Otherwise, there would be so many billions and billions of souls, you know, it just didn't seem logical. So, yeah, I believe in reincarnation. I believe that there's different uh, parallel lives. I, I mean, our little human brain can't contain anything not even barely everything that's happening on earth, much less uh, when we get out of this confinement that is a human brain and are exposed to what is really out there. It, it's mind blowing. And I love, I just love reading more and more and more about all those things. It's, it gives you a lot to look forward to. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's an incredible story. Tell me then, let's talk a little bit more about the experience and how you said that um, the influence of that experience was your belief system of Catholicism contributed to that. But is there another way that we can, I think people want to avoid having a hellish experience should yeah. have <clears throat> something like that happen. Um, yeah. So I heard you say once before um, it's about free will as well. Can you, can you talk a bit about that? Well, again, if, if you accept the, um, well, I, what I consider a fact that we, we choose our lives and come down. Um, then if things happen like we planned and we don't like them, our tendency is, and, and what I was brought up to, to do is to pray to God to take whatever problem is away from me, to rescue me, to change things. Uh, my understanding now is God gave us free will and we decided to do this. And the fact that I want to ask for help and change it, he, God won't interfere because I chose this and I had the free will to do it. And um, so it's changed my whole outlook on prayer. I'll tell you, I mean, I used to pound the heavens with, I want this and I want that and, you know, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And then, then I would get mad at God when it didn't happen. Um, I had a horrible experience with my first child. Uh, she was born with severe birth defects. And um, she only lived two days and died a horrible death. And uh, I was so angry with God for the longest time. I, I, felt like, I felt like he was holding her ransom. And if I didn't continue to believe in God and that, that I'd never see her again. It was a terrible way to live. Um, it took me a long time to get over that. And, and now I understand she chose. I wanted to learn something. And what came out of that experience was a great empathy that I learned for other people, particularly women who have lost babies. Um, I wanted to learn what empathy was. And, and so my friend in heaven uh, says, I'll go down. I, I want a short stay this time. I'll, I'll be the baby. And then just as long as you know, I'm only going to stay a couple of days and then I'm going back home. And we agreed to do that. 
So that put a whole different spin on that whole experience. I no longer uh, railed at God for, for, for killing this little innocent child. I mean, um, I still don't like that that happened to me. And I sometimes when things happen, I'll say, what was I thinking that I planned this? But I respect that God said, Kathy, you chose your life and I'm not going to interfere because that would ruin the lesson that you wanted to learn. Um, I love you dearly. You know, God does. And um, you did this of your own free will and it's all good. That's the other thing I've learned. It's all good. It's all going to, it all comes to good. When we go back home, and that's what heaven is, when we go back home, uh, we'll understand. And But right now, if we understood now, then that's like cheating in my, in my book. Um, I feel, I feel comfortable with my understanding now. I don't, I still don't like it that there's a war in, you know, in the Ukraine. I still don't like it that, uh, bad things happen, but I have to let it go and say those, those people chose that life for whatever it is. I can't judge it. I can't judge it. It's just up to me to send love to everybody. Just love and strength and courage and kindness. That's my job. So what I'm hearing, because my ego mind, and I think maybe other people listening to this might feel this way. My ego mind wants to say, I just want to avoid a hellish NDE should that ever happen. So what you're saying is that likely we have or we have chosen this if we buy into the fact that we choose our our life path. And it's something that we choose to learn from plain and simple. Not the hell thing, the rest of it, the rest of it. Uh, I I don't, I don't believe anybody needs to experience hell. And that was my message. You don't have to, If, if you just know and understand that God's all loving and all forgiving. And the only way you go to hell is if you want to, and you don't go all the hundreds of thousands. Of, I mean, there's like 10 million people now on the planet that have had near death experiences. And a great many of them are atheists or, or uh, agnostics. And they all went straight to heaven, you know. Um, so like, what's wrong with this picture? Uh, the thing is that I believed I would. I, I, I trusted that uh, those people were telling me the truth. And it wasn't. And I've learned an awful lot about looking at religion and my upbringing uh, with adult eyes. I've done a lot of reading on, uh, oh, like there's a wonderful one on the new understanding of of the Bible and Christianity and how the Bible was written and how it got, you know, I won't go into it because people get all freaked out. But um, for me, um, the Bible is a history book, badly written, and uh, a lot of... um, Things that we've been taught by religious leaders are to keep religion strong, uh, not to tell the truth. I don't think they a lot of the, the the minions, the priests, and all that do it on purpose. I don't think it's a huge conspiracy. I just think it's evolved badly. So, like most people that have had this experience, I no longer consider myself religious but spiritual. But Anybody can do whatever they want. I'm not judging anybody. It's just for me, it doesn't work anymore. So um, then we need to let go of our fears, I think, is the bottom line. Because that that can affect all aspects of our consciousness, whether we're awake or asleep. 
That's right. Yeah. Fear is, is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And if you really sincerely can get it in your head that it's all going to be good, it's all working to good, everything will have a positive end outcome at the end. And we just have to trust in that, uh, it, it, you know, and believe it. And it, it will happen. You know, I, I, I have no doubts. I mean, I don't know any end of year that doesn't want to go home. Uh, I just feel, I mean, it's been 23 years for me and I, I keep thinking, oh, I thought I'd be home by now, but I guess there's still more people I have to give this message to. Uh, I've got this mental chalkboard and every time I do a podcast or I see that I've, I've gotten, you know, a couple thousand, uh, reviews or whatever, I, 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 I chalk them off and I think I'm finally someday I'm going to hit that last person and then I'll, I'll get to go home. But until then I'm okay with with uh, doing what I chose to do. You were in a coma during this experience. You had not flatlined though. No, right. once you're in a coma is pretty well understood by in the years in the medical facility. You're, you're, you get a little loosey goosey with your spirit in there because sure. your consciousness is like gone. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's there, but the rest of your body is just non-responsive. You're so. still offline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, they called my folks in and the family and says, we can't save her, better yeah. say goodbye. She's yeah. on her way out. So you get that. That's why they call it near death. You don't have to be, uh, you know, no people, doesn't, you know, you don't have to flat on. No. And I, I don't, I don't think so either um, because there's so many layers. Our brains are a filter, right? So yeah. our consciousness is being filtered through the brain. And, you know, we're dreaming, we're in a state of consciousness, we're in a coma, we're in a state of consciousness, we're flatlining, we're, there's still a consciousness there. It's just right. a different level. And we're going to have different experiences. But you said earlier, too, that you, you did retain the memory of this near-death experience as if it happened yesterday. Can you describe, and from your experience or what you've researched after the fact, there's there's differences between the hallucination and the effect of medication versus actual near death experience. Can you maybe delineate the two? Well, I think because that that doctors insisted that I would not remember anything. I could not remember anything. My brain would not be able to remember anything. And I remember everything. So I, it, it didn't happen in my brain. Uh, Eben Alexander is a great, ex, uh, you know, he, he, had, he was a neurosurgeon and an atheist and he had the brain bleed. And they said, he, you know, there was no brain activity at all. He went back and looked at it, but he had a very extensive NDE. I mean, probably one of the longest ones I've ever heard of. And he remembers every minute of it. It's, it's just different. Your, your soul is not you, you are I love what they say uh you're a, a spiritual being having a human experience and when they take off oh, I hate this expression but the meat suit uh you're still standing right there it's it's you so that's the part that remembers being in heaven because the body can't go there and that's another thing I always had problem with is religious is you know that the end end of the world where all the bodies are raised and going to heaven it's like dude, there's no room for bodies in heaven. <laughs> You're just going to be you who want, nobody wants to go back into a body after they've been out of it. That's, that's like getting in a really old car, a clunker. <laughs> you don't want to, you'd rather walk. Uh, so, um, so did you find, what was your experience of time when you were in that state? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there is none. It's an eternal now. Uh, it's I liken it to, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in Las Vegas and one of those casinos. You go in there, it's like I don't know, two in the afternoon. You get in there, you forgot to bring your watch. They have no clocks. They've got no windows. And, and you're playing the slot machines. They're bringing free drinks. And you think, oh, shoot, I've probably been here three or four hours. And you've been there 14 hours. It's that same same thing where you're there's just no time um and and so so when somebody says well how long were you there or, or people that were flatlined for four seconds and they they remember you know 20 years worth of experience it's because there is no time time is just a, that something that happens in our universe yeah. I've heard also too, that other near-death experiencers, they all, many of them say they didn't want to come, come back. They, like you said, they don't want to go back into the suit and the old car clunker. <laughs> they, they just, they want to stay. Um, yeah. and that's in that wonderful, peaceful state. Um, yeah. but it, it's a common message that people have work to do. We have our mission, our yeah. life purpose. Yes. I chose to do this and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to, uh, to get out of it uh, early. And that's, that was a good thing. I think the only people I've heard of that really want to go back is people who maybe ladies who, uh, die in labor and they've got to go back for that baby, mm-hmm. or they've got a couple of little kids at home that they, they don't want to leave. But other than that, I don't know of anybody that, that says, Oh no, nah, I'd rather go back and that, that suit and day-to-day grind. No, uh uh-uh. uh um, you said too that uh, sometimes you think to yourself in your day to day life that uh, oh did I choose this when something happens it's not so pleasant um, I think I say that very often myself so, um, yeah it's a common I think it's a common feeling that many of us yeah. can have during times of adversity it's it's tough being yeah. human it's a tough ride I heard this thing once and I thought it was hilarious it's it's like when we do go back somebody said you if you've been to Earth that that's the toughest gig you can pick. Earth, out of all the whole universes and galaxies, Earth is the toughest. And and there's something, there's like a, a, I'm just a metaphor, I'm sure, but a badge that says, I I, I did Earth. And people go, oh, wow, you did Earth? Man, that's tough. What was that like? You know, so it's, yeah, this is, this is tough, but we chose it and we must be strong souls is all I I can, I can figure out. We may have done the ropes before and thought, well, I want to do something a little, little tougher this time. And you're also implying and inferring that uh, there's other places that we can incarnate, which is a whole nother, that's a whole nother show, a whole nother conversation. I know that is so much fun. I've I've gotten into Gaia, (laughs) that program, and they've got all kinds of stuff about aliens and stuff, but it's fascinating. And if you just allow your mind to uh, at least say, maybe, maybe um, it's, I don't know. It makes life more fun. I, I find it interesting. Sometimes people, you know, say to me, well, how come you want to know all this stuff? Why don't you just, you know, go live your life and be happy? And I'm like, but this, this makes me happy to ask the big questions and to really yeah. um, bend my mind as far as it can go, as far as I can exactly. handle it before it explodes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you're really good with your, you know, with your podcast, you're encouraging other people too. And there's, I mean, even with this COVID thing, my goodness, I think I know so many people that were just like locked in their house for two years, nobody to talk to, reading books and watching television. It's like, oh, there's so much more out there um, than just our, our little safe, if you've got a safe little life. I mean, 
that's not a life well lived as far as I'm concerned. It's kind of a, I don't know, maybe they just chose to have a vacation. I, I really don't know, but it doesn't appeal to me. That's yeah. And I mean, and you know, you sound like a very free spirit yourself. And um, I think that's, uh, I think that probably helped you through the trauma yeah. and the transition um, and integration of this experience, because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's bad enough just to have the physical trauma, whatever you've gone through, then, you know, to have the near death experience on when it's a pleasant one is the trauma, physical trauma, and then the spiritual death, near death experience the contrast overrides some of the physical issues. So you went from physical trauma to <laughs> hellish experience. And then thank goodness. you A little bit of heaven, a little bit, a little bit of heaven <laughs> near the end. Right. Yeah. Right. So that, 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 but that's, that was the good stuff that, that changed everything. Just that, that little bit that opened the door to the possibilities that I've, I've been able to follow up on. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's, it's all good. I, I'm loving the podcast. I mean, and, and COVID is almost a blessing in that we've gotten to reach people all over the world without having to get airplane tickets and, and go and jet lag and all that stuff. I I just love uh, meeting all, all these people. It's just been a it, blessing. It makes me think of this is what it's like to be on the other side where it's the instant connection, right? Yeah, the computer yeah. on connect interesting to souls to talk to, and, and then bam, oh, there yeah. you are across the world, but you're in that same moment together. So, yeah, exactly, enjoying yeah. it and saying, Wow, that was worth it. You know, I don't think I'd do it again, <laughs> I may, may just take some time off and, and, and go to Mars or something, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me then, where can we find you? Where can we find your book? Um, uh, the book's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and any place you want to go. It's it's Misfit in Hell. That's because I I wouldn't I wouldn't do what they told me down there. I just didn't fit. And then I have an expat. An expat's a person that lives in one country and works in another. And then when their work is finished, they go home. An expatriate. So I feel like we're all heaven expats. I think we all started in heaven. We're down here doing our work. Then we're going to go home. But my uh, website is the same, www, and the name of the book. Um, my um, I'll see an email address would be mkm at heavenexpat.com. Um, yeah, I'm in a lot of uh, videos, like you said. So um, there's, there's always some way to find me. I'm out there <laughs> doing my work so I can go home. <laughs> yeah, well, that's wonderful. I'm so grateful that you are doing the work that you're doing because I think we need more attention to this type of NDE. Again, just to expand our understanding more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And to share um, the, the wisdom that you've brought back, the understanding that we need to embrace our lives, embrace our purpose, and just accept that we did choose this life path, good and bad, and to move forward through it regardless. And basically all we need to be is loving and kind. Yeah. yeah it's, it's what every, Jesus taught, what all the, all the spiritual leaders all taught. If you just, just, they said all, if you just have a mindset in the morning, I'm going to, no matter what happens, I'm going to be loving and kind and just go for that. I hear you. I agree. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to connect. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome, Tanya. I loved it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Kathy McDaniel. For more on Kathy and to purchase her book, please visit misfitinhelltoheavenexpat.com.
The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And check out wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to elevate your heart-mind. And be sure to join me next time where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing.